From time to time, I get asked the question, so Alex, what exactly do you do except for preaching? What's your job other than the time we see you on Sunday morning? So good question. How long you got? <laughs> good question. There is uh, a lot, believe it or not. It's, I remember Tebow McRae, not Tebow, Tim Tebow, but Tebow McRae. He was a member of our church, now an adult. He said, Father Alex, can I follow you around and shadow you for a day? And I said, sure, Tebow, come on. He thought he might want to be a pastor. He said, Father Alex, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. <laughs> it's a messy job. And, and the shortest answer would be that it's taking care, tending the sheep of God, tending the flock. And as you know, tending animals can be messy. Tending parishioners can be messy. The whole idea, maybe you don't know this, but the, the whole idea of pastor comes out of this this idea of, of pasture, of pastoring, of shepherding. As a matter of fact, uh, in some translations, when Paul says he made some to be teachers, preachers, that's actually the word shepherding that's used there. Um, Jesus tells Peter, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my flock. And so I think we can take... Measure in that, that that's the right answer, is to tend the people of God, to, to be a, an under-shepherd for them. Paul says in the book of Acts, he says, guard the flock of God, for after I leave, wolves will come among you, and they will seek to destroy and scatter the people of God. Not a very flattering idea to be uh, considered a sheep. This is not going to be one of those sermons where we talk about all the shepherd's view of being, you know, of the Lord's Prayer from a shepherd's perspective. Those are great resources. I commend them all to you, but I'm not going to do that this morning. But, you know, you think about it, I, I, you know, Warner Brothers produced cartoons as I was a child. Some of you have benefited of those. You may know the name Bugs Bunny. You're welcome. Um, that's my generation. But um, all the talking animals, rabbits, ducks, pigs, sheepdogs, wolves, they never let the sheep talk. Even, even in Warner Brothers' mysterious world of talking animals, the sheep don't get to talk. You know, that just tells you the place of sheep. And so it's not a very flattering comparison for us to be called sheep, and yet that's what we are. We are, we are God's sheep. We are those who need his tending and his care, as Jose and the team have been leading us in this morning. For a long time, I was thrown off because... When I first came to the parish years and years and years ago, somebody said to me, are you a hireling or are you the shepherd? And that scared the heck out of me. So I was like, I don't know. But I said, I'm a shepherd, which was the right answer, I think. But, <laughs> but actually what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is in fact that we are in fact underlings. That's what pastors are. They're underlings. Uh, we kind of dress it up by saying we're under shepherds because it makes us feel a little bit better. But, but we're underlings. And, and, and there's only one shepherd, and that is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. And he lays out here before us what, why he is called the good shepherd, why he is deserving of that title, among other things. We'll talk about hirelings in a second. But Jesus is the good shepherd because he's not only willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Remember David in 1 Samuel? He he fights off a bear, and I think he fights off a lion, and he, he kills them with his slingshot. 
He's willing, he puts himself in danger between danger and his flock. But Jesus goes beyond that. Jesus is willing, not only willing to lay down his life, but in fact does lay down his life for the sheep. He gives his life. Which from a shepherding you know, animal husbandry standpoint makes no sense at all because if you of the shepherd are dead, how can you be of any use to the sheep? And yet Jesus, through his death, in fact, puts us in the very best place because, of course, he doesn't stay dead. He rises from the dead on the third day. And so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, Jesus probably is drawing upon a rich Old Testament idea of shepherds that we see in the scriptures, not just Psalm 23, which is the most well-known and famous. As a matter of fact, if you're ever in a place of grief or sadness or you're trying to minister to somebody and you don't know what else to say, just lead them in the Lord's Prayer. And you will find that you bring incredible comfort. It is extremely comforting to know that God is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus draws upon that, but I think primarily as he begins to talk about why it's important, why is he using this metaphor now in John 10? What, what is so critical that we understand he's drawing upon Zechariah a little bit, but also f- mostly from Ezekiel 34. Zechariah talks about false or worthless shepherds in, in Zechariah chapter 11. Ezekiel goes even further. Ezekiel talks about Worthless and false shepherds. The gradual ended too quick and I forgot to bring my Bible down with me. But listen to what Ezekiel says about these false shepherds. Son of man, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The stray you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. With force and harshness you have ruled them. So they are scattered because there is no shepherd. And they become food for the wild beasts. My sheep are scattered. They wander the mountains and on every hill. My sheep are scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And then Ezekiel goes on to say that the Lord says, I, you worthless, you false shepherds, I will be the shepherd to my people. I will gather my people together. Surely this is one of those Old Testament passages that Jesus is drawing on as he explains that he is the good shepherd and begins to give his disciples and his would-be disciples a sense of who he is and why he's come. He is the good shepherd. He identifies two concerns that Ezekiel also identifies. Ezekiel identifies two things. The false shepherds, the hirelings, who are just there while the going is good, but the minute things go bad, 
they turn tail and run, and I think that's what this person was asking me when I came to the parish. Am I a hireling or am I a shepherd? It's that idea that they're, they're not in it for the sheep. They're, they don't love the sheep. They're not going to care for them. They'll be gone at the first sign of trouble. When the wolves come, Jesus says, they run away. And the second concern, not only that these are these, these false shepherds, but there's this, this problem of the sheep scattering that Ezekiel lays out so nicely. They're on every high hill. They're all, on the, all over the face of the earth. And, and they're scattered. And Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to bring the flock together into one flock. But they're scattered because of the false shepherds. It's interesting to me that the, the one thing that we seem to not be able to get right as followers of Jesus is that Jesus commands us to be one flock. He wants us to be united. He wants us to be together. And, and yet divisions are constantly pulling us apart in every direction. I mean, the great hymns of the church talk about it. You know, the church is one foundation. It's Jesus Christ our Lord, and you know, but but all the, the 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 forces of the world that would seek to pull us apart, and yet the Lord calls us to be one flock. When he says, I have other sheep, he's referring to Gentile sheep that he wants to bring into his Jewish flock. He wants to make them all one. He wants to bring them together. That's his intent. I was telling my Aunt Jean, I was calling her and uh, was talking to her about the fact that I was going to talk about the good shepherd and she began to say you know the interesting thing about sheep see this is why I'm not preaching on all the great metaphors for the sheep and she says you know the great thing about the sheep is that they the sheep if you put them in a pen with other sheep they'll they know the voice of their shepherd and they'll they'll come to their shepherd and I thought yeah that's true about sheep it was true about cows my grandfather could go down to the cow barn and call the cows and they'd come up but that's kind of where the metaphor breaks down, though, because oftentimes we, who are like sheep, don't hear the voice of the good shepherd. And we're scattered and we're, and we're divided, which is why John doesn't use that metaphor when it comes to our second lesson. He comes to John, 1 John chapter 3. He calls us children, and he reminds us that we are capable of sinning, and by that, he doesn't mean that we sin. We all sin, but that we can take sin lightly, which is the sermon I preached last week. I'm not going to preach it again, but this idea that we need to be careful with sin and that we are capable. Yes, sheep can bite, but they bite out of fear. But we, as the children of God, can, we're capable of sinning, and we're capable of taking sin lightly. And what we're called to do, rather, is to recognize the good shepherd and learn to hear his voice. And as we have this beautiful vision of him, we will begin to, to live lives not of sin and division and fear, but rather of unity and love, not only for him, the good shepherd, but for our fellow sheep. You look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Libby read that lesson first. 
And there you, you see, the, it picks up the story that we left last week where Peter and John are threatened by the high priest and the religious authorities not to talk about Jesus anymore or, there's, or bad things are going to happen, unstated bad things. And what is... What does Peter and John do? They come back to the disciples and they tell them and the response of the church is that they, they begin to say, okay, well, we need to be praying here that God would give us a boldness that we might share Jesus because this is the, the things they did to Jesus, this is just in line with who, who they, how they treated our good shepherd. And so we need to, be, we need to pray that God will, keep us, will make us mindful of that and make us bold to speak his word. And so they, 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 they call for that. And, and out of that comes great unity in the early church. And again, we see these very hard words to hear that they held all things in common. They didn't see their, their material possessions as being their own. They probably held on, I mean, as far as, as long as they were theirs, they were, it was Barnabas' piece of land until Barnabas sold it. But then once he sold it, Barnabas saw the need to be generous with the proceeds and to share with those who are in need and to take care of those who are, have any want. And, and so there's this sense in which the church is learning as, as the people of God, the children of God, to learn to care for each other. And that's something sheep can't do. See, the, see the whole metaphor at some point breaks down because we, we as sheep can care for each other. God calls us to. He calls us to, to minister to each other, to be generous towards each other, to love each other. Last week, I tried to make the point that we need to be careful not to miss the joy of Christian community, what God calls us to be, to be this flock of God, to be his flock, under him the good shepherd. And, and the byproduct of learning to love him and seeing that he is a good shepherd worthy of our praise and worship is to realize that we're also called to love one another. So what are we to make of this today? Well, it seems to me that nothing really changes in terms of Jesus' prayer here and his warning that the false shepherds will always be out there. And here I'm going to probably step on some toes, but we only have one good shepherd. We only have one shepherd who is willing to lay his life down for us who loves us enough to have given his life for us and so while we might find other people's opinions valuable and we might look to other counselors ultimately we have only one shepherd my fear though is that oftentimes we pay much more attention to false shepherds not false in the sense that they're devious or trying to destroy us. There are those. There are, in the church, there are, there are heretical teachers. There are those who would destroy us by the things they preach, which are, which are horrible and, and an abomination before God. But I don't think that's what Jesus is primarily focused here. The hirelings are those false shepherds who don't ultimately know what's best for the sheep and are not willing to give the ultimate cost to demonstrate their love for the sheep. 
I also think, as I said earlier, that there's the constant threat that we as the people of God will be scattered. And I think as a pastor, I think I'm probably more nervous right now about the church than I've ever been because of the things that have the potential of so sharply dividing us to the point that we would not even want to be associated with other people that say they're followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about every person that calls themselves a Christian. I'm talking about the people that we know that love Jesus. And we know they love Jesus. But we differ on other things to the extent that we would allow those divisions to separate us. That's what scares me. You see, the enemy knows that nothing he brings against the church can destroy it like what comes from within the church to break us apart. Can you hear that? And that's my nervous fear. Not the faithless fear, but that's the concern by which I'm exhorting you this morning from this. Are we aware of the false shepherds? who would ask for our allegiance? And does it burden our souls that we as the people of God can so easily be scattered and divided? I hope it does. Peter and John come back from their threats before the high council and they tell the the church and the church prays in unity that God would, would embolden them, that he would make them bold to proclaim Jesus Christ. In the face of the potential for persecution, the church comes together and prays. What a novel idea. Rather than allowing themselves to be separated between, well, some of us say, well, we probably should stay home and not talk about Jesus anymore until this all blows over and others that think no no we need to go right now and we need to go right back to the face of those guys and we need to proclaim Jesus like right in their face right outside their door they didn't get divided they went to prayer and out of prayer came a boldness and an infilling of the Holy Spirit afresh that is our witness <laughs> that is who we're to model ourselves after is the witness of this early church Will we be such a church in our day or will we be lulled away? So applications, three things for you to think about. First of all, who are the false shepherds that you're tempted to listen to? Do I need to throw in some names? Do you know who they might be? Who are the false shepherds? Again, I'm not talking about in the sense that they're, they're, they're trying necessarily to be devious or to bring about your, your demise, but they're just not the good shepherd. And ultimately, if we're listening to any other voice other than the good shepherd's voice, then we're going to be led astray. And we're going to be divided. So think about who are those false shepherds. Secondly, where, where in your daily walk, where in your weekly encounter with Christ, where do you intentionally seek to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? Talking with a friend, he said, I love to get up in the morning early, I get my cup of coffee, 
and I open up the newspaper and I read the newspaper cover to cover. And I thought, when do you read your Bible? <laughs> when, when do you seek to hear the voice of Jesus? I think that preached enough, right? And then thirdly, are you aware that the evil one ultimately wants to divide us? Over COVID, over politics, over racism, over countless things. He doesn't care. He just wants to bring us apart. Christ calls us to run to him in prayer, to seek to know the good shepherd, to learn to love the flock even when we don't agree with each other. That we might be one flock under one shepherd. Jesus Christ. Amen.